Well, hey, Northside family, we are mixing things up today, and we're actually going to begin with the sermon off the bat, and then we're going to move to a time of communion and worship at the end. And the reason is this, with our series that we've been walking through, we've been walking through the book of Philippians, and what we're going to find in our series called Deal With It, because it is dealing with you, uh, you are today going to find that the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Philippi actually addresses the number one issue that females deal with today. And not only females, but reports have come back that the issue that Paul talks about and the issue we're gonna talk about today is the number two issue that males deal with right behind drugs and alcohol, which many believe the reason why men deal with that is because they don't wanna deal with this issue that Paul talks about today. And here's the beautiful thing about the church, everyone, that Jesus says, I have come to deal with whatever you are dealing with. And today, what we're going to deal with and what Paul deals with in the church, because this was prevalent in the church, it's prevalent today, not just in the church, but outside the church is this, anxiety. Now, some of you just got anxiety because I said the word anxiety. You're like, oh boy. And hey, I wanna invite you, if this is your first time tuning in, hang with us because Jesus has some serious hope to give you today. As I started researching anxiety, I, I didn't really necessarily grow up with anxiety. I, I've got friends that deal with it and there's different types of anxiety. Uh, but what I found was this, I didn't know this was the number one issue that females and the number two issue that males deal with today. Matter of fact, I began to look at statistics and this this is what it said, that over 40 million adults have been honest and said that they deal with anxiety. I found this out, that $48 billion are spent every year on treating anxiety. And oftentimes, this is what I would think about anxiety back. Like, oh yeah, that's when people had those midlife crises and then they start making irrational decisions because now life gets full of anxiety. But this is what I found out as well as I began to research a little bit more. You know who has the, the rising, the most like, su- like skyrocketing report and anxiety? It's actually not older people. It's our teenagers. And the Pew Research study said this, that anxiety is the number one issue that teenagers are dealing with today. Higher than bullying, higher than anything else going on is anxiety. Matter of fact, out of the research that the Pew Research did that said this, that not only 70% deal with it, but they've said that they deal with not just anxiety, but depression as well. And you go, man, there is something going on with everybody. There's this anxiety that's going around and it's hard to put our finger on it a little bit. You know what nation leads the world in anxiety? Switzerland. No, they don't, I'm just joking. I'm making sure you're hanging with me here. You know who leads the world in anxiety? We do. And you know what's so rare and weird about that? We are the most prosperous nation in the history of the world. And yet we lead the world in anxiety. We should have all the reason to not have anxiety, right? We we are one of the safest countries in the world. 
We have unbelievable medical care. People are living longer than ever before. We have all sorts of safety, all sorts of protocols. I mean, I remember as a kid growing up, one of my buddies had a station wagon. And uh, back in the 80s, you always wanted to ride in the back of the station wagon because you didn't have to wear a seatbelt, man. I mean, it was totally unsafe. But here I am, maybe some of you growing up, you remember you would take a nap in the back of your car. You wouldn't see it in your, in your car seat because we didn't really have them. But in the back of your car where the rear, rear uh, you know, windshield was, you would get up there and lay down and take a nap. And here we are, we're the most advanced country, we're the most prosperous country. Matter of fact, studies have come in and it said this, that people who come into the United States have reported increases in their own anxiety. There's something about our culture right now. I began to study a little bit, what are these contributing factors to anxiety? I mean, we've got to get down to the root issue of some of these things. And that's what Paul's going to do. And he's going to begin to open this up. Matter of fact, we're going to take two weeks to kind of talk about this because it's kind of like an onion. You start peeling the layers of this and we start getting down to some root issues. What I found as I began to, to look at some of the contributing issues of anxiety to our day, especially to our country, is this. There has continued to be a higher removal or, or an, op, like a, an idea to remove God from everything. Here's the problem with that. When we begin to remove God from our lives, either we or something else has to become God. And I don't think it's some coincidence that as we've tried to remove God from our lives here, that our anxiety has skyrocketed. I'm not just talking about Christians, I'm talking about everybody. There's not only that, what else we find is this. Yes, we are more connected digitally than ever before, but reports are showing this, that we are less socially connected than ever before. You know, we come home from a day of work and we just binge watch Netflix. You know, you can just, you don't ever have to talk to anybody. You know, everybody, like I've even found this with, with teenagers, you know, I talked to some 16 year olds like, oh, you getting their license? And they'd say, Why? And I go, you know, you go hang out with your friends. Like, no, man, I play Xbox with my friends. I don't need my license. I'm like, oh, well, I wanted to get my license. And what I'm finding is this, you can connect with people digitally, but what's happening more and more is people are losing their social connection. This is why with our life groups, we are continuing to pour into them and we say, hey, we want everybody here in our church family, in a life group, because God did not make you to live life alone. And oftentimes what happens is this, our anxiety skyrockets when we're by ourselves. Matter of fact, one of the things our care pastor, Tom Gilbert, told me is this, as we were talking this last week about anxiety, as he has been a clinical counselor for the last 17 years before coming to work here, he said, Nate, I would counsel people all the time on anxiety. And he said, what we would often get down to as we began to peel back the layers, as he said, there was this acute fear of dying alone. And he said, people wouldn't lead with that or they wouldn't even think about that. But he said, the more we got down to it, the more people just feared this idea that I was gonna be alone, which is why Paul writes to the church in Philippi because he's going, you are not alone. And what you're gonna find is this, this is gonna be one of the most, maybe pop, most popular Bible verses that you hear today because we need the hope of God. Matter of fact, on dictionary.com, I looked up the word anxiety. Listen to how dictionary.com defined anxiety. It said this, anxiety is distress or uneasiness of mind 
caused by fear of danger or misfortune. It's this uneasiness of mind that ideas start coming and they start taking our minds all sorts of places. And, and what you find is there's this fear and this anxiety that kind of work together in our anxiousness and fear. Really, this is what a lot of times happens with fear. Fear sees a threat and it runs and it's temporary. Fear sometimes can be a great motivator. Ooh, I don't want to get in trouble. Boom, and we're off to the races. Fear sees a threat and it runs. The difference with anxiety is this. Anxiety imagines a threat and can't move on. This is a lot of times we don't say maybe we've had anxiety or we don't even recognize it, but one of the leading phrases that you can begin to pick up if you're dealing with some anxiousness in your life and some anxiety in your life is this. If we say the phrase, what if? Well, what if, what if this happens? Oh man, what if, what about this? I remember in junior high, man, my, my teeth were so far apart, man, you could get, you know, kick field goals between them. And, and I remember thinking a lot of times going, oh man, what if my teeth don't grow together? Oh man, I, my, my teeth aren't gonna grow together. I'm not gonna get a girlfriend. I'm not gonna get married. Oh, I'm gonna live alone my whole life. In seventh grade, it's like, Nate, chill out, my man. And here's what happens in our minds. The scenario, what if, begins to linger. It begins to control our hearts and our minds. It begins to overwhelm our thoughts. Matter of fact, it, it not just kind of overwhelms our mind. What they begin to say is this. If you're dealing with anxiousness and anxiety in your life, they said a lot of times your chest will begin to tighten. Shortness of breath will begin to kick in. If you've ever had those nights where you've woken up throughout the night and you just can't sleep, you're just waking up every other hour, a lot of times it's, you may not have identified that you are anxious about something or you would go around saying that you have anxiety, but you're anxious and we're overwhelmed. And the scenarios of what if go on and on. I heard someone define anxiety this way. It said this, anxiety takes you to the future and depression keeps you in the past. See, here's the thing about anxiety. It always takes you to the future. And if you're not, if it's not gonna work out, it brings fear into your life. And anxiety takes you to the future. Depression keeps you in the past. But here's what you gotta understand and what I've gotta understand today is this. God is always about meeting us in this moment. I wanna let you know whatever you're going through, God wants to meet with you right now. He wants to bring his peace. This is why we're talking about deal with it because peace isn't about just your conflicts going away. Peace is about God coming into this moment. So if you're full of anxiety or if you're wrestling with depression or you have all this other stuff, just know that God wants to meet with you right now. Matter of fact, I was talking with Tom about this when he was revealing these insights and he gave me this scripture and it gave me so much joy, so much peace. Because even as a pastor, you know, here we are, we're trying to come up with plans to open the campus and, and people ask all the time, Nate, what's the date? And, and here's the whole thing about the coronavirus. And if you're leading at work or you have family, you know, this is what's so hard. You can't plan for anything. Matter of fact, the only thing is this, you can kind of plan for two days or in two years when there's a vaccine. And if anybody says they know exactly what's gonna happen, they're lying, none of us know. And it can get overwhelming. And I love what Tom gave me this passage from Isaiah. It's Isaiah chapter 52, verse 12. And it's what God told his people Israel because they were afraid and they were anxious and they didn't know how life was gonna turn out. 
Listen to this passage in Isaiah 52, verse 12. God was coming in to the moment. And let God come into your moment right now. And listen to what he says. It says, for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. Hear those words from God for a second. God's gonna go before you. And not only is God gonna go before you, you know what he says? God says, I got your back. I'm not just the God who's in the future or has plans for you later on. Yes, I will go before you. You keep stepping in, but you better believe I got your back. And so if your anxiety or your anxiousness or your depression comes from your failures and your regret, know that God has your back. He's not just about the God of the future. He's also the God of the past. And he's the God of the present. And he's saying, let me step into your life. Matter of fact, Jesus talks about this. And the reason why Jesus talks about worry and fear is this, because people in his day were worried. So I wanna let you know, if today you're struggling with being anxious, you're normal, you're human, I'm human. I deal with this. This is why Jesus says stuff like this on the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter six, he says this, Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're gonna eat or what you're gonna drink or what you're gonna wear. You know what he says? Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness and all these things will be given to you. Jesus says, hey, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about all this stuff. You seek me. I'm the God who goes before you. I'm the God who's got your back. I'm the God who's with you in this very moment. He's saying, I'm with you. He even tells his disciples on their last night with them at the last supper. He says this in John chapter 14, verse one. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. Jesus knows you and I are gonna have troubled hearts. See, it's not that you and I won't. It's who are we letting deal with the trouble that we face in our lives? Because we got to deal with it. And if we're not dealing with it, we're avoiding it. And it will deal with us. This is why we've been walking through this book in Philippians. Because Paul wants to deal with what's going on in the lives of his other fellow believers and followers of Jesus. And what we find is this. Paul writes these words. And and this might become so common. You've maybe heard it before. It's in chapter 4, Philippians, verse 6. And listen what Paul says. He says, Don't be anxious about anything. Now think about that for a moment. We're like, what? What? Paul, you're calling me to a level I can't achieve. Don't be anxious about anything. Let me unpack this for a second. What he's saying is this. He's not saying, don't you dare be anxious. What he's saying is this. Stop being in this perpetual state of anxiety that everything is about being anxious. Matter of fact, one of the books that's helped me the most in preparation, it's a book by Max Lucado called Anxious for Nothing. And he unpacks this section of scripture because he knows this is a big deal for all of us. And his kind of tagline is finding calm in a chaotic world. And I wanna just encourage you, if you're dealing with anxiety or anxiousness, or you know some other people, this might be a book that could help you unpack this passage 
Because Paul is writing here in Philippians and he says, don't be anxious. Don't be anxious for anything. Now, some of you are going, well, Paul, that sounds so super spiritual of you. But did you know in chapter 2, verse 28, Paul talks about his own anxiety? Seriously, look at what it says in verse 28. Paul says this about Epaphroditus. He's sending his servant back to them. And he says, therefore, I'm all the more eager to send him so that when you see him again, you may be glad. And then listen what Paul says, and I may have less anxiety. See, Paul's not saying, don't you dare have an anxious thought. So too many times we've, we maybe you've heard that before, that if you're, if you're anxious, it's like, well, you have a weak faith or you just don't love Jesus. No, we all deal with this. What he's saying is this, don't live in this perpetual state of anxiety. Don't let this overwhelm you. Matter of fact, what we find is this, Jesus dealt with this. Jesus had this. This is why on Jesus's night last night, before he's about ready to be arrested and go to the cross, you know what he says? Three times it says he slipped away and he prayed to the father. Three times he got away and he said, God, if you will, let this cup pass. You know why? Because there was this overwhelming anxiety in his life. Jesus dealt with it. Paul deals with it. You deal with it. I deal with it. And Paul says, don't live in this overwhelming state of anxiousness and anxiety. Don't live there. You know what we find a lot of times is this? I love how Max Lucado says it. He says, sometimes anxiety isn't just physical, it's deeply spiritual. There's a deep spiritual component to this. That the worry and the fear that we carry is actually a very spiritual thing. And that Jesus really wants to meet us in our worry and in our fear and give us his hope and give us his peace. I do want to make a very clear disclaimer. We know that there are a lot of people that don't just have anxious moments. There is a clinical anxiety and I want to encourage you, if you are going to counseling, if you are going to therapy, or if you need to do that, there is nothing wrong with that. If you are on medication for anxiety, there is nothing wrong with that. Because what happens and what can happen to us is this. Sometimes our brains are hurting and they are ill. And just like our bodies, they need help. And I want to encourage you, if you're struggling with that, or if you feel bad because you're going to counseling for that or on medication for that, you do not need to feel bad about that. Matter of fact, one of the greatest phrases I heard about counseling is this. A lot of times we never want to admit that maybe we do need counseling. And I heard a counselor say this once. People, he said, never want to say, I need counseling. He says, but you know what you need to understand? It's not just that you need counseling. He said, it's that you and I deserve counseling. See, God wants to meet us in this moment of fear and anxiousness. And so this is why Paul opens that passage and says, don't be anxious about anything. But then listen what he says right after that. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ 
Jesus. There it is again, this God who goes before you into the future, this God who has your back. It's going to transcend all things. The peace of God comes into this. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Don't live in that perpetual state of fear and worry, but in everything by prayer, everything joining God in this moment. And he is going to go before you. He is going to cover your back and he will guard your heart and your mind. I love what Kelsey Mays, one of our pastors here on staff, especially when she works with our female students from sixth grade into our college age. And I love what she said this week in our sermon planning meeting. She said this, she said, anxiety is not a war to win. It's a battle to fight. Sometimes we put the finish line in the wrong spot. Boy, I thought I was past that. I thought I wasn't going to deal with that again. We need to understand that when Paul says, here's why we want you to pray about everything is because this peace of God then begins to transcend. See, anxiety isn't just something you're gonna win. Anxiety is something that you and I are gonna battle, that you and I are gonna face. And it is a battle for our minds. A lot of times, this is what I would fail to think about growing up. I, I never said I had anxiety, but I would say this. I have a fear of failure. I've told you guys that before. I have a, I have a serious fear of failure. I don't want to let people down. I don't want to do wrong. And so here's what will happen. A lot of times, my fear of failure will overwhelm me. And so I won't take faith steps that God's called me to because what if I don't? And what if? And what if? And what if? And what? And what I've realized is this. I've always said that's a fear of failure. I've never realized that that is anxiousness in my heart, that I'm afraid of future failure because if I fail in the future, then that means I'm gonna have a past full of regret. And what I failed to remember is I need to battle with that in my mind. This is why the scripture says that the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but I get these uh, updates every Sunday morning on my iPhone that says how many hours a week I was on my phone. Now I work a lot from my phone. I'll return emails. I'll read articles and all sorts of stuff through that. I'll listen to podcasts. I'll watch other sermons. You know, I'm, I got an audible subscription. You know, if there's a book I want to listen to. So I'll spend a lot of time. And what's fascinating is this. Sometimes, especially during the coronavirus, you'll see that number fluctuate. And what's that uh, average person, what we find is this, spends five to seven hours a day on their phone. Which means this. We have five to seven hours of voices shaping our hearts and our minds. It could be that one of the contributors, not the only thing, but one of the things that actually maybe might propel some of our anxiousness are the voices we're listening to. See, this is why Paul says, hey, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer, in everything, begin to talk to your heavenly father and present your requests to God in everything that we do. And so here's what I wanna do. A lot of times we run right at a passage and sometimes we cherry pick passages in the Bible, don't we? We all have kind of a life verse and, and we kind of take one verse and, and we, we, we hone in on that one and then we don't pay attention to anything else and you know we get it tattooed on us or something or whatever it is. And I wanna just take a moment and I wanna read this passage in its context because you're gonna to begin to see Paul's not just saying, don't be anxious. He's going, I have a way for you as you deal with your anxiousness, as he dealt with his anxiousness, I have a way for you to battle in your hearts and minds what you're dealing with 
through Jesus. Listen what he says in verse four, right above this in verse six, he says this, he starts by saying this, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice and let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. Do you hear him saying that? He's going, don't worry about the future. Also, the Lord is here. And since he's near, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then listen what he goes on to say. And we're going to talk more about this next weekend because they're tied together. And he says, and finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Battle for your mind. Paul will later on say, take every thought captive. And he says, and whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. See, when we begin to read this passage in its totality, what you'll hear over and over again is this, that the Lord is near and he wants to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and the God of peace will be with you. See, this is why we've got to be careful when we read one passage without looking at the totality, we might begin to misinterpret the passage. Just don't be anxious. No, no, no. The Lord is near. And he's going to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God will be with you. This is what we've got to understand. If you're taking notes, you'll want to write this down. This is really important as we look at this passage. This is so key to understanding our anxiousness and anxiety and fear that we carry is this. Paul's belief preceded his behavior. Before he started with don't be anxious, he started with rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. His belief was this, that the Lord has come near, that the Savior, that the Son of God has come here who has died on the cross. He's taken his sin. He's conquered death and he is with us in every moment, that there is nothing you face. Even if you are facing the consequences of decisions that you've made in the past, you don't face those alone. The future, you do not walk into the future alone. And this is why we can rejoice that we have our heavenly father with us. This is the good news that we get to give one another. We get to go, hey, you're not alone. You don't need to fear dying alone because God is with you. He has come near. And not only that, the Holy Spirit, the presence of God, when you and I become a follower of him, the presence of God is with us. We're not alone. And so here's what we've got to understand is our belief has to precede our behavior. Paul doesn't just say, quit being anxious. He's going, man, I am rejoicing in the Lord. Matter of fact, Nehemiah, I love this. He's one of my heroes in the Old Testament. God used him to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. And he used him in an incredible, you want to read a book on leadership, go read the book of Nehemiah. And listen to what he says. You know where his strength comes from? It's not by being this physical specimen. His strength, he says this in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. He says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
that when I'm physically tired and I don't have anything else to give and there's no vacation that's gonna replenish my soul, the joy of the Lord, the God who is with this broken, fallen man is my strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. That's what we believe. Let me just ask you, especially if you're a follower of Jesus, is that what you believe? That the joy of the Lord is your strength? That the joy of the Lord is what leads you? That the joy of the Lord is what fills you? That the joy of the Lord will sustain you? That's what Nehemiah says. This is what Paul says. And you know what? Paul is in chains. He's not a free man. He's not laying on a beach. He's not down in Destin. He's not just, you know, cruising around. Hey, Jesus is so good. He is in prison. And in the midst of being in prison, in the midst of his anxiety, he goes, I rejoice in the Lord always. And I say, say it again, rejoice, because he is my strength. And see, here's what he's calling us to. He's not just saying, let your belief precede your behavior. What he's saying is this, celebrate what's true about God in your life. Celebrate what's true, that your heavenly father loves you and loves all of his creation and has sent his son Jesus to redeem everybody. We celebrate what's true about God. We celebrate that he has come after us. We celebrate what is true about our God. That God is for us. And I love a couple phrases from this book that stood out to me that Max Lucado says is this. He said, if you want to find the peace of God, he says, what you got to understand is this, that the peace of God is between God's goodness and God's control. See, this is the conflict we got to deal with because we want to be in control, don't we? But he says, oh, no, no, no. Max says, if you want to understand the peace of God, he says, then you got to understand that peace is between God's goodness and God's control. And I want to give you a prayer to pray right now. And I need to pray this prayer. You ready? This is how I simply want to say it. I hereby relinquish all control to God. And amen. Just seriously, say that for a second. I hereby relinquish all control to God. That's scary, isn't it? I know probably 89% of you didn't say that, and that's okay. The 11 of you, man, your heart is free right now. Hard to give up control, isn't it? We're control freaks. But Paul says the peace of God in the midst of our anxiousness and anxiety is found between God's goodness because he has been good to us and God's control. God is in control. Even when it doesn't look like it, even when we don't feel like it. Lucado goes on to say this. He says, anxiety increases as perceived control decreases. That our anxiety increases when it looks like our control is decreasing. We get way more tense. Think about what we've been through just in the last three months. I love how dad summarized this. We were talking about just, we're trying to process everything that's going on in our world. And he says, Nathan, here's what we need to understand. He said, our health has been affected by the virus. Our wealth 
has been affected by the virus. Over 40 million people unemployed. And then he said this, and now our unity in the world is being affected. No wonder anxiety and anxiousness has skyrocketed when our health and wealth and unity has been challenged. But listen what Max Lucado says next. He says, anxiety decreases as our understanding of our father increases. You and I, our anxiety, not that it'll go away, totally, but it'll begin to decrease the more you and I increase the awareness of our Heavenly Father. The more we begin to bring his word into our life, the more we begin to focus on him, the more we begin to battle what we're listening to and what is in our minds. Did you see what Paul says here? He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And then he says this, let your gentleness be evident to all because the Lord is near. See, this is why we celebrate Christmas and Easter so much. Literally at Christmas, we celebrate the word Emmanuel, which literally means God with us. What would it look like for you to actually begin to believe and live that the creator of God is with you? That the creator of the world loves you. He's not just some general God out there. He is a general God who is not just general. He's specific with you. That he is with you the whole of every moment. That's what Jesus says when he gives his command to go and make disciples of all nations in Matthew 28. And he says, and surely I am with you until the very end of the age. Are you aware that your heavenly father is with you? Are you aware of his gentleness? Are you aware that the Lord is near? And see, this is what the call is for the church. That our gentleness would be evident to all. Last weekend, we took time as a church family to grieve with our black brothers and sisters as they have gone through a tremendous amount of loss. And we grieved and we had empathy with them because the Lord is near to us. Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And as the church, we need to be near to the brokenhearted. This last week though, we had some people ask us questions about that's so good that you grieve with those who are grieving. But in light of all the circumstances that are going on, they said, what are your views about law enforcement? And, and I just want to clarify real quick that as leadership here at Northside, we believe that one officer in Minnesota does not represent all officers. Matter of fact, we have some incredible law enforcement here in our church family, several of whom I am friends with, one in particular I am close family friends with. And I just want to say, I love the law enforcement that we have here in our church family. They are people of integrity that look to serve and protect and we pray for them and we encourage them as they lay their life on the line every day. And as people had to ask that question, I just wanna apologize if there was any uncertainty about where we believe and how we support our law enforcement. Because see the church, like Paul says, is to let our gentleness be evident to all. It's to grieve with our brothers and sisters. And it is to pray and care for our law enforcement. 
Matter of fact, I had a mentor show me this passage in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 18. Listen to what it tells us to do as followers of God. This is in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 18. It says, the man who fears God will avoid all extremes. We're going to avoid all extremes because the people of God are called to bring the gentleness of God to the world. And I want to let you know right now, as the world continues to face anxiety and anxiousness, it is imperative as the people of God that we come around those who are dealing with this serious issue of being anxious and dealing with anxiety. Matter of fact, I asked one of my good friends here at Northside, his name's Brent Falcone, he's one of our elders here. And I love our eldership because we want to be not just elders and leaders here in the church. We want to be a great life group together that carry each other's burdens. And I didn't realize this until a couple years ago that Brent has had to deal with anxiety for a long time. And I just asked him, I said, Brent, I know nobody wants to talk about this, but would you be brave enough to talk about what it looks like to deal with anxiety in your life? And uh, he was courageous enough to share his story right now. So let's take a listen to how God has done an incredible work in Brent's life. Well, Brent, thanks for taking a moment to share your story today. And uh, if, you, if you guys don't know, Brent is one of our elders here at Northside. And we always spend a little bit of time of every meeting talking about life, talking about how we're doing. Right. And you, you, know, you brought up some of the times about some just anxiety that you've battled with. And I'll be honest, if I'm uh, just kind of doing the surface level judgment of people, mm -hmm. you're the last person I'm thinking has anxiety. You know, business owner, you're what, 6'3", you know, booming Italian voice. 3% body uh, fat. 3%, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're even here on the baseball field because you played baseball in college. Mm -hmm. uh, you coach here at Silver Creek. And so everything that when you would look at somebody on the on the external, you would go, of course he doesn't deal with anxiety. Mm. And so if you would just give us a little bit of history and a journey about your experience with anxiety in sure. your life. Sure. I think it really started about my mid twenties mm -hmm. and, um, really intensified in my, into my thirties. It's just a daily battle. That's the only way I can describe it. It's just war every day and, uh, just took over It just took over my life in our series we're talking about deal with it yeah. because it is dealing with you. Oh, yeah. So anxiety is dealing with you daily for over 10 years. Mm -hmm. How did you try to start dealing with it? It was like a chase for me. Like I was chasing uh, positive statements, songs, uh, books, yeah. phrases. I mean, anything I thought would be the fix. Not excluding, you know, prayer and scripture. And that to me was one of the parts that really produced some hopelessness because I thought I'm reading and I'm praying and I'm an elder, like what is wrong with me? And then, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? So yeah. that produced a lot of shame in me, which is just like a double down effect. Yeah. So now I don't want anyone to know. Yeah. So I'm keeping it to myself, yeah, other than my wife. So I'm trying to hide it and put on the good face. I'm feeling uh, less than a man because I, I see all these other guys around me that aren't dealing with this, that are just dealing with life just fine. Yeah. And inside, I am just at war every day. Tell me about the journey that God took you on okay. 
to begin to deal with these with these deeper things that were in, yeah, inside of you. Yeah, for sure. So for a while it's been, like I said, literally just painting all the decisions I'm making, whether we're gonna go to a concert or not, and I'm coming up with excuses why we shouldn't go, or I'm just avoiding the discussion. Yeah. You know, so there's that, but also I had to, I had to walk out of a company meeting and I was the one presenting. <laughs> I am melting down in front of, you know, our company at our annual meeting. Yeah. And uh, I would always get nauseous and my stomach would get upset and, I, and I'm just like, now the room is closing in, I can't find a bathroom fast enough because I'm gonna throw up. It, wow. it, it's, it's, it's like this super intense cascading effect and it had just built at that point and then we were in an elders meeting and Scott Kiesler was giving us an update and Scott had um, you know, cancer Yeah. and Scott just kind of asks me how I'm doing it, almost as if maybe he sensed something hmm. and, and I just lose it. Um, I lose it. You know, the guys being the way they are, just surround me and pray over me. And George had said, hey, listen, John Walker's in town, you know, from Blessing Ranch. Yeah. And he's working with staff. And um, he said, let me, let me see if I can get you with him. And I spent a week um, with him. We had a lot of scripture that we went through. Yeah. And, you know, in Philippians 4, um, 6 or 7, you know, the, the scripture says, you know, uses the phrase that, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And peace that transcends understanding, which were all the things that I was looking for. And I didn't have the words for it until someone sort of showed me how that yeah. scripture applied to me. He said, after we did our week, he said, okay, now the battle for your mind begins. Yeah. And then I had years of, you know, some heavy lifting to do, but you know, there was this constant progression, yeah. um, you know, to today. And I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say I never deal with it, but like the way he described it to me, it comes from the loudest noise in the room to this annoying, annoying little bug uh -huh. that may try every now and then. Yeah. But you shove it to the side and move on. Yeah. What would be some things that you would help, in a lot of ways, guide us into knowing about anxiety and about helping other people walk through this? My biggest hope for for folks is that they wouldn't suffer alone. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, I wish I just would have told someone, you know, there's room for our shameful thoughts about ourselves and all the stuff that we, we really hate about ourselves. Someone is willing to help you unpack that. Just don't keep it yourself. Yeah. Start there at least. Yeah. Start there. Yeah. And it, it's just beautiful when, when we actually walk in humility and confession and honesty, because I feel like then that's where more of the power of, of God is, and I think that's the hope that we have uh, in it. And so I just thank you, man, for being open yeah, and sure. honest. And I have no doubt God will use his story through you working in this to help encourage and, and help people just take whatever that next step is uh, for them in obedience uh, and experience in the life of Jesus. So thanks, brother. All right, man. I just love Brent's open and honesty. And then this is why we need to be gentle to everyone. We have no idea what people are going through. I, that's why I told Brent, I said, just judged on outside appearances, he would be the last guy I would think would have anxiety. And here he is dealing with it. And see, this is what the church is all about. It's about us being people who say, hey, I need help. One of my favorite phrases that I've heard through the years about church is this, hey, it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to come, not just to a church building, but to God and say, God, I'm just not okay. Would you help me 
God, I can't handle this stuff. And I love what Brent said. He goes, the first thing is this, I wish I wouldn't have suffered alone for so long. See, this is where as a church, we come alongside and we listen and we love. I love what Max Lucado says about anxiety. He says this, he said, the, press, the, the presence of anxiety is unavoidable. It's unavoidable. Even Brent later on, he says, still, it'll come around. It's not totally gone. The presence of anxiety is unavoidable, but the prison of anxiety is optional. See, Jesus has come to free us, to make sure we know we don't have to carry all of the baggage or regret or fear alone. And so this is why as we celebrate what's true about God in this passage, this is why Paul says this, confess your anxieties to God. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Peter actually even says this in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Listen what he says. He says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God cares for you. He cares for me. He's going, let me deal with this. Let me intervene in this moment. Go ahead, cast this on me. Begin to open this up. Don't let your own mind hold you back. Begin to open up your thoughts to God. And this is why Paul even lays this out. He says this, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He says four quick things. And I wanna encourage you with these things that we're gonna to begin to practice. It's not just that this sermon is one and done and we'll never deal with anxiety or anxiousness again. This is the beginning of a journey for us. Like Brent said, it has taken him years. It's taken him counseling to walk through this stuff, to unpack these things. But there's four things that Paul is telling us to do. First thing he says, just begin to pray. I mean, begin to talk more with God. Don't feel like you gotta carry this by yourself. Man, just prayer. I love this quote that I heard about prayer. It says this, if it's small enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. Man, if it's small enough, maybe you got a, a college choice or a school choice or a situation. Man, if it's small enough and it's bothering you, go, oh, God doesn't really know. No. If it's small enough to think and worry about, it is big enough to pray about. And just begin to pray, God, I'm going through this today. Man, I'm going through this. Help me through this. This is why he moves from prayer of talking to God. Then he says petition, which means we begin to ask God for help. God, this is what I'm going through, which for some of us, that's just a huge step to actually tell God what we're going through. Do not underestimate how big of a step that is. Tell God what you're going through. And then petition is begin to ask God for help. God, would you begin to help me in this? Man, I need your wisdom. I, I need your help in this. And this is when he says, by prayer, petition, begin to ask for God help. And then he says, your request, your request to God, present them to God. And you know what his challenge is on this? Is to get very specific, to get very real with God. Not just saying stuff like this, God, help me to have a great day. That's, that's good prayer. God, I want it to be great. And I'm acknowledging you and I'm bringing you in. But God's going, that, that's great. Can we get real specific though, why you want it to be a great day? I mean, what, 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 
what would make it a not great day? Well, boy, I tell you what would not be great is for this to happen and this happened. And, and man, I'm worried about this. I got this presentation and I'm worried what the boss is going to say and how I'm going to do and all this other stuff. Oh, here we go. Now let's get into it. Matter of fact, our two-year-old Zeke, we say this to him now because he's starting to be a chatterbox. And a lot of times he'll just want something. He'll point at something now. And then we'll say this phrase to him. Use your words. Use your words. And we'll wait. We won't give him, you know, whatever it is. It's right there. What is it that you want? I want my bot. I want this. I want water. I, Okay, and we'll say, use your words. You know, a lot of times in relationships, whether it's a spouse or someone you're dating, you know, you'll come in and, and you'll see him and you'll say, hey, what's wrong? Nothing. And can I just tell you, when somebody says nothing, it, it's never nothing. <laughs> it's always something. But a lot of times we don't know how to use our words and we try to press into it. No, 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 tell me what's really going on. Tell me what's happening. Use, you know, and don't use that phrase. Use your words with your spouse or someone. Use your words. I'm just giving you a warning. That is not gonna go well for you in that moment. But God is saying this to you and I. Use your words with me. Begin to really unveil what's on your heart. What are you afraid of? What are you carrying? Oh man, for oftentimes, when I would say those phrases, I'm afraid of failure, here's the problem. I would never present that request to God. And guess who would always have to carry the fear of failure? Me. God loves me. He sent Jesus for me. But I would never entrust what I was carrying to him. That's what Paul is saying to do here with the anxiousness, with the anxiety that you and I carry, begin to entrust that to God. You can't control your spouse. You can't control your kids. You can't control what's going on in the world. Corona don't care, right? All this other stuff's going on. We can't control all these things. We can't control when our transmission falls out. We can't control this. But you and I can entrust this situation to God. And this is why he says, and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You know what Paul is saying to do in this moment? He's saying before you begin to just entrust God with whatever you're going through, he said, what he's basically saying is this, remember the cross with thanksgiving for what Christ has already done. Begin to entrust what's going on in your life to him. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. With thanksgiving. Matter of fact, that word thanksgiving is where we get the word communion from. See, when we take communion here in a moment, when we take communion as a congregation, what we're doing in that moment is we are coming and we are remembering. We are going, oh no, God, I'm not just worried about what if, what if, or what I have done. God, I am bringing you into the moment. I'm not just gonna fear my future. I'm not just gonna regret my past. God, you are with me. And because you are with me, I can rejoice. I don't have to act like I've never done anything wrong, but I get to have thanksgiving because God, in what you've done in Jesus, sending him to die for us, to send our sins away, there is no anxiety that is greater than Jesus. 
There's no anxiety that he can't handle. That's why Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Here he is in chains and he's going, oh God, you are near to me. Yes, there's fear. Yes, there's worry. But God, I can entrust you with everything. Jesus' invitation to you and I today is this. He's going, what do you need to entrust to me today? Do you need to entrust your future to me? You're worried about this? Do you need to entrust a hard conversation to me? Come on, bring it on. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to him. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Entrust your life to him. And the peace of God overwhelm your presence. Oh, your conflicts, they won't go away. Conflict wasn't going away for Paul. But the peace and the presence of God was overwhelming him, transcending his thoughts and guarding his heart and his mind in Christ Jesus. I want to invite you during this moment, we're going to have communion. I want to invite you, if you get some bread and juice, to take it. If you don't have any during this time, I just want you to begin to have a dialogue with God, to begin to say, God, I know this might seem menial, but I'm going to begin to open this up to you. I'm going to begin to let my life be known to you. Next week, we're going to dive in to verses eight and nine, where we're going to be talking about what do we think about, because we're going to deal with this in this moment. We're going to invite Christ in this, but now we need to begin to think about him. And as we go into this time of communion, our team has put together a prayer for you. Because we know sometimes it's hard to talk with God. It's hard. And so we, I want to read this prayer for us right now as we go into this time of communion. And I want to read this out loud. We're going to put it up on the screen right now. And I'm going to read this prayer for us as we go into this time of communion. I'm going to read this. This is a prayer. If you want to read along with me, you can. But I want to, I want to say this prayer over you to give you words. And then I want you to begin to have thanksgiving in your heart because Jesus is with you. Let me read this prayer for us. Jesus, we need you. You are the only one that can heal our hearts and help us deal with our anxiety. And as we look at your life, your death and resurrection, help us to reflect on our own hearts and com- with complete honesty and humility. When we were dead in our sin, you gave us a love and mercy we did not deserve. And when you were wrongfully accused and crucified, you paid our debt in full. When you rose and ascended into heaven, you gave us your Holy Spirit. Gracious Savior, through the power and discernment of your Holy Spirit, Help us to come to you in every situation with thankful hearts, trusting you are advancing the kingdom and working for our good. Right now, I want you to begin, if you're gonna take communion or if you're gonna take this time of prayer, begin to pray with thanksgiving and present your request to God because he is here. Let's take communion together.
Jesus. 
His kingdom come. Let's walk in thanksgiving and trust with our Lord. Have a great week.